Hello, and welcome to the Early American Brass Band Podcast. I'm Chris Triano, joined always by Stephen Canistrisi. Hello, and happy birthday, Chris. Oh, thank you so much. Not, <laughs> not, not when the episode comes out, but as of this recording, it's my yeah, birthday. The day thank we're you. recording is Chris's birthday. We had a birthday interview today. Yeah. <laughs> always a good way to spend a birthday when we're chatting about brass instruments together. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of discussing brass instruments, in episode 34, we are speaking with Sergeant First Class Kevin Lynch from the United States Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps. Kevin has been a bugler with the United States Army Old Guard since 2009, and he also plays Baroque trumpet with the Baroque Trumpet Ensemble with the Old Guard. So we are really excited to be able to bring you a slightly different episode today. I know that this one has kind of been on my list of topics to want to talk about. Obviously, with our show focusing on early American brass bands, typically from the mid-19th century on, and having the, the strong military connection, there's also uh, the parallel music tradition of field music, which with the United States Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps, are full-time professional musicians, soldier musicians, enlisted that make a living off of playing field music so we thought it'd be really interesting to get a brass player's perspective from that group and we're super excited to share that with you all today yeah like chris mentioned and yeah what kevin mentions in the, in the episode is that the the old guard is a very unique uh unit within the army so it was great to get his perspective uh you know and experience auditioning for the group and their day-to-day -day and kind of their history so we're really happy to have him on if you like what you're hearing on the show, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, you can uh, we we actually just tweaked the tiers on Patreon, so uh, we've got some uh, the benefits are newly laid out. So you can head on over to Patreon and check that out if that's something you're interested in. Um, we, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, more subscribers helps push the videos out to more people. Uh, so that's always helpful if you like uh, what you're seeing there, you can subscribe. And of course you can follow us on social media. Uh, we're on all the platforms. You can just search Early American Brass Band Podcast and we'll pop right up. You can give us a follow there, that way you don't miss anything. Um, and of course, we got the website too. That's eabbpodcast.com where you'll find show notes for every episode uh, along with some resources that Chris and I have put together. Um, so that's all up there on the website. I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's all the... Yeah, well, especially with the website, the, the resource selection. Uh, yeah, a lot of time put into creating some of those things. And as my research for my doctorate comes to an end... Uh, and some of that stuff I'm starting to, to push out into the public will be releasing new uh, resources on the website also. So make sure that you're over there checking it out at eabbpodcast.com. Yes. And I do want to say quickly before Chris introduces the episode that all of the compiling of the resources is is chris's work so that's if i did anything it's just laying it out on the web page so so i definitely want it's to keep it's a team yeah, effort yeah well uh, most of the most of the effort has been chris's so um do do check them out in all seriousness i mean they they're extensive they're uh chris has done a lot of research um and you know the if you're if you have any questions about you know books to buy or anything like cds to buy anything um that you want to you know explore some of your own curiosity chances are chris has it listed on the website <laughs> so definitely go over there <laughs> well thank you i appreciate it yeah without further ado here is episode 34 featuring sergeant first class kevin lynch from the united states army old guard fife and drum corps enjoy <laughs> Thank you so much to Sergeant First Class Kevin Lynch for coming on to the Early American Brass Band Podcast. We're super excited that we were able to get you on today, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Thank you. So maybe what we could do here is start from the relatively the beginning, and maybe you could give us a little bit of your musical background and bring us up to your audition for the United States Army Old Guard. All right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, much like uh, most of us, we all started somewhere in elementary middle school. Uh, but then I, I was afforded the opportunity to study with Doug Lindsay of the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. Uh, and he was my primary teacher uh, throughout a little bit of middle school, but mostly high school. Uh, and we continued on, you know, sporadically throughout college. Um, but uh, after high school, I uh, auditioned for, uh, you know, a slew of colleges. And I was fortunate to be able to go to the Cleveland Institute of Music, study with Michael Sachs the Cleveland Orchestra there. And mm -hmm. then after that, uh, I was tired of the cold. And, uh, and I said, man, I, I need some sunshine in my life. And I went down to Rice University and uh, studied with Marie <laughs> Ceciali down there uh, in Houston, Texas. 
shortly after that, uh, thankfully, I, I did audition in 2009 for the United States Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps uh, for a bugle position. And uh, let's see here, that was March of 2009. It was very cold in D.C. And um, I remember it uh, very distinctly. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, won the audition. And then uh, my summer vacation was basic training. There you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Fun. It sounds like a fun time. <laughs> so, so had you been involved with any type of field music or colonial um, music performance prior to taking that audition? I actually had not. I, I didn't know a lot about the core, only that I met someone at CIM uh, by the name of Kirk Wilkie. Uh, and he he was there as a conducting student and he had previously uh, been serving in the core. And uh, I, I just knew a little bit about it because of him. And he was a bugler uh, turned conductor. And uh, other than that, I was uh, a hungry grad student and I wanted a job. And so I was just in that mode of auditioning for everything that came about. And, um, and this, was, this was on my list and it came up and, and you know, the rest is history. Yeah. Nice. So Chris and I have taken a few uh, military band auditions, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening have as well. But um, we'll, we'll talk about the history of the Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps a little later. But how did that audition process differ or like what, what was that audition process like? Because, you know, since the, the unit itself is a little different than some of the other uh, military bands we're all familiar with. I'm just wondering kind of how the audition was run for you. Yeah. So the unit, it is absolutely unique uh, in what it does. It's it's the only unit of its kind. Um, it's it's a military band, but it's not a band. It's a fife and drum corps. Mm -hmm. And so we are the only unit that is solely dedicated to preserving field music for our nation uh, and the military. And, uh, you know, West Point, they do have a field music group, um, but that is one group as part of a larger band. We are, that is all we do is field music. And, um, and that's what makes us unique. Obviously the red coats and the tricorn hat. Mm -hmm stuff and so uh the audition uh because of all that the audition is very unique to what we do it's a two-day process um sorry let me back up you know it's it's a recording uh for me it was a recording on a cd uh these days they're requiring recordings uh by video uh just mm -hmm. keeping up with the times that's what everybody does now mm -hmm. and uh so they vet everybody from there they they invite i don't know anywhere between three and eight musicians to come audition live and they'll audition live. And, um, it's a two day process. You get there, you, you get some marching training actually when you're there and you are given an instrument, uh, not to take back with you to the hotel or anything like that, but to play there so that you can at least be familiar with what that instrument feels like and what it sounds like. Uh, because that is part of the audition is playing on those instruments, a fife, a drum or a bugle. Uh, mm -hmm. from the core. And so the, the first day is um, you, you do a little bit of playing on your horn. Uh, you do a standing test uh, because a lot of our job is standing on ceremonies and they want to make sure people are comfortable standing for long periods of time and that there's going to be no sort of medical issues with that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, um, it's only a 30 minute test. Uh, once you get in, they're longer, mm -hmm. but uh, <laughs> they ensure that you can, you can at least do it there. And then, um, they give you some instruction on marching and you play, you know, for me, the bugle uh, for a portion of the audition. And then you do some marching for the audition as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so they, they also have you observe what the chord does. So, you know, exactly what it is that um, that you're getting yourself into, you know, mm -hmm. so to speak, you're not in a bad way, just, you know, Hey, this is a field music group. We do march, we do these shows. And, uh, and this is what we wear for our uniform. Uh, it's very informative actually. So for that observation period, did they stage like a rehearsal for you or do you like go out with them or something? So the, yeah, the observation, that's a really good question. The observation, um, they usually try to time auditions around ceremonies. And that first day, the observation day will be uh, around a department of the army retirement ceremony. It's one of our regular uh, ceremonies that we do every month. And uh, they, they get to go watch them live in comedy hall on Fort Myer uh doing everything that we do for that ceremony interesting very cool and then you had said that you hadn't really been engaged with uh with field music prior to actually landing the gig 
other than, you know, hey, uh, can I play Reveille or something like that? Uh, you know, uh, as a trumpet player, we all dabble in bugle calls and, and stuff like that. I played taps a, a number of times at some funerals uh, throughout college and high school. But other than that, no, uh, I had zero experience in field music. Kind of our tagline, we say uh, brass bands from 1835 to present. And that's kind of what we talk about. So we usually live in the 19th century and, and brass music from then on. And obviously with that, there's a large component of uh, the Civil War kind of involved in that time period, kind of <laughs> right smack in the middle of the 19th century. Uh, so usually parallel to the brass bands, obviously we have the field music element also being more kind of grounded in, in 18th century field music practice. Can you maybe give us a little bit of background on first just uh, – field music and the role of the bugle in field music. And then maybe from there, we can talk about the old guard of fife and drum corps today. So field music uh, in militaries, uh, I mean, musicians and militaries have been around since there have been armies. So the dawn of man, right? Uh, <laughs> they, they have been, there have been musicians, uh, you know, beating things that were drums or using conch shells to uh, hail uh, calls to get troops to move uh, and, and to either move from A to B or to move forward, move back. Uh, musicians have always been there to aid the commanders of the units that they were commanding to do that troop movement. Uh, in the United States, um, a lot of our traditions then uh, come from European traditions, understandably so. We were a, mm -hmm. you know, a European colony at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, uh, unfortunately, not a lot exists for, uh, you know, revolutionary era musicians as far as manuscripts. There are some, but not a lot. Uh, when it comes to, say, bugling or trumpeting, um, then there's there's really nothing, to be honest. There's, there's some fife and drum stuff, um, but not a lot of trumpeting stuff. So we have to just kind of uh, infer, well, hey, they were doing this over here. And so we were probably doing that here. Uh, in the States as well. Gotcha. There are uh, many accounts of trumpeters uh, on the muster rolls uh, for the American military then. Um, but, uh, you know, you, the brass players don't really, they're, they're not seen as, uh, as as integral as a part as they are fifers and drummers because of some of those paintings that were done uh, in the 19th mm -hmm. century. You know, you got the fifer, you know, with the bandage on his head and stuff like that, you know, the kid mm -hmm. next to him, uh, you don't see the trumpeter on the horseback, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's no paintings of that. Uh, so the, they were fewer um, in the, uh, in the American military, the trumpeters, um, but they were there. We do know that. And they were integral to, uh, to the operations that were going on then. Yeah. Interesting. So then kind of, taking that role of field music and and what you know trumpeters were doing back then maybe we can now talk about uh when how why all the good questions about the uh fife and drum corps with the old guard today uh the history of the fife and drum corps uh we were created in 1960 uh as a field music group for the third infantry regiment the old guard uh we were actually um trained by uh, a couple people and the United States Army Band, Pershing's own, and um, it was literally infantrymen who were being taught how to play the fife, the drum, and the bugle. And so you, you imagine these these kids. You know, some of them probably had a little bit of musical background, like, hey, I played in middle school or high school, uh, but they did not come in the in the military to be musicians. Yeah. And so that that was the the fife and drum corps um, for a while. Um, and we'll get into that later. But uh, you, the why, why, why did they want this? They wanted um, a musical unit to really to help the, the troops uh, with their marching. And so they, they came up, you know, the, the old guards role is to sort of reach back and also look forward and be that representation of the army, the ceremonial unit, uh, the face of the army. And so we have to represent all uh, all of history of the army. And, you know, we, we have the Continental Color Guard, uh, the, the Commanders in Chief Guard that all wear colonials. And uh, so they wanted a fife and drum corps that would look back to what military music was then. Hmm. Um, it initially was going to be um, just fifes and drums. 
Um, but there was a general, uh, the general at the time, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, he, uh, he wanted bugles, uh, incorporated it as well. Um, luckily for you, right? <laughs> luckily for all the buglers ever in the Franklin Um, and so were there, were there buglers in the revolution? That's always, you know, a question we get. Um, and the answer is, um, not the way in which we think about it today as buglers. Um, there were bugle horns, right? Um, and there were trumpeters, but there were not bugles. That didn't really take uh, foot until, say, the, around the War of 1812. Um, so there were some bugle horns uh, and trumpeters, but not the bugles that we think of today, the small, tightly wrapped uh, things. Um, and so... Yeah, that's that's the why the Fife and Corps exists. And so did the the role of the trumpeters function essentially the same way as buglers then at the time, even though it was a different instrument or they did. Yeah, yeah. They they were usually with the dragoon units, the cavalry of the time, and um, they used trumpets. Why? Because they could ride horseback, like our buglers did hmm. later on in say the Civil War. And uh, and the trumpet evolved right over time, and it was probably a shorter trumpet, um, you know, than what we think of today as like a baroque trumpet. And so they used those shorter ones, uh, and they would just sometimes sling it across their back and ride the horse, and then they would bring it up and play it. There there are some paintings of that, not much uh, in in American lore, you know, mm-hmm. but um, you know we we can reference some some bit of that. Cool. And then can you also uh, maybe give a little bit of background to the old guard itself? Do you do you happen to know the history of that unit and uh, maybe how how soldiers are uh, become enlisted in the old guard? Ah, so the history of the old guard, um, the old guard's lineage actually dates back to the revolution. Um, it was actually uh, the first legion or first regiment. Um, at the time, um, and it was, it harkens back to 1784 and, um, why it's called the third infantry is because, you know, there was a period of time that they reorganized the army and they were given those number designations based on who was commanding and their time and service in their rank. And that just happened to be, that person happened to be third in line. And that's why we ended up Mm. with the third infantry regiment. Mm. Um, so we are the, the oldest you know, serving active duty infantry regiment in the United States Army uh, with the lineage going all the way back to the revolution. Is that something that people need to request to become a part of, or are they randomly assigned to become members of the old guard or the infantry unit? The answer to that is yes. So uh, some people do get randomly assigned, um, not musicians. Uh, The infantry men and women, um, when they're going through their basic training or OSA one station unit training, um, primarily down at Benning, they, uh, a lot of them will get approached by recruiters. You have to be a certain height, um, to be in the old guard. And so they will be enticed to come to the old guard. It, it is a prestigious thing. Um, a lot of the junior ranks, uh, will, will get assigned some do volunteer to do it some people do get assigned though um but a lot of your mid ranks and your higher ranks um it those actually are sought after because Mm -hmm. it looks great on you know your resume so to speak and uh Mm -hmm. and it will help you get promoted to say that hey i was in the old guard uh and i did Mm -hmm. these extra things for the army um, much like a drill sergeant or a recruiter, uh, the units like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and the Caisson Platoon, those are spe- very specialized units within the Old Guard that spend a lot of time perfecting what they do. The whole Old Guard is like that. Uh, but then you have some of the specialized units. Now, to be a musician uh, in the Old Guard is, is very different. Um, it's, it's like any of the other premier bands in that you audition directly for it. Um, you get your PC paper from the commander saying this person is qualified. You take it to your recruiter and, uh, and then, you know, they send you on your merry way to basic training and you do the basic training, you come back to the unit, Um, and then you do a little bit of training at the unit. Uh, once you get there about three, four months. So of training, um, we do a little bit more and we have people take an official military board 
and um, and then you're on your merry way. And you were <laughs> you were a staff sergeant in the United States Army, and you were serving in the Old Guard, the Third Infantry Regiment, um, as a bugler, a fifer, or a drummer. So what is the what is the day to day? kind of like for the musicians in the old guard. I mean, you mentioned before that ceremonies are a big part of the job, but uh, what, are, what are some of the, you know, types of ceremonies that you guys, uh, you know, provide service for and, and all the other stuff that you do? The date, I love this question because, and I'm sure you guys have heard a lot of this uh, from other military musicians. There is no regular day to day. It's just like any other job as a musician. There's no regular day to day. Everything is different and uh, ceremonies Sometimes we'll do, you know, one instance, I remember doing four ceremonies in two days and for uh, a unit of our size, um, everybody was out there pretty much, you know, we had some people doing all four, some people doing three out of the four. um, And that's a lot. We're talking, you know, uh, some of them were two, a little over two, two and a half hours long. And so that's a long time to stand on a parade field. And so the ceremonies that we do range from a change of command ceremony, where it's very simple. You just have some uh, two fifers and a drummer go out, they'll play the anthem and the army song, and then they'll play a tune to have the colors come out and, and march the colors off. And then we'll do, uh, you know, all the way to a White House ceremony where uh, the Fife and Drum Corps uh, is the only uh, musical entity uh, at the military level that is at every single White House arrival. Um, you know, okay. it rotates through all the other bands. The, the other bands are there playing the, you know, the marches and everything. But the Fife and Drum Corps is always there to do what is called the Troop Room Review uh, portion of the ceremony, um, where we do the troop step and everything like that. So uh, it it ranges widely, um, very small, uh, to to the White House. But every single ceremony we do is taken very seriously, and we try to do our best on every single one. Do you have a particular favorite uh, engagement that you can think of uh, that you've had the opportunity to perform during your time with the Army? Um, really, any any ceremony we've gotten to do at uh, at the White House, the Pentagon, um, you know, personally for me, uh, it, those are all memorable. Uh, personally for me, our buglers, well, uh, you know, one of the duties that the buglers take on is uh, is performing taps at funerals. Um, now we don't, we don't play at the cemetery. That's the army band Pershing zone. They, they take care of the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do on occasion get to play at the tomb of the unknown soldier, uh, for, uh, official reef lanes, um, by members of the old guard. Um, but we take care of funerals, uh, out in the community here in, in the national capital region. And, um, that is probably the most meaningful that we get to do. Um, we go out. Um, it's, you know, because of what we do is not in the cemetery, in Arlington National Cemetery, uh, there's not a lot of pomp circumstance to those other than, you know, hey, we we do, we are there playing taps. And uh, it's, you, you know, it's one of the most honorable thing that you can do is play taps for a fallen soldier. Um, and that, I think, is what will stick with me the most uh, whenever I do depart from the army is playing all the funeral missions. Mm-hmm. And it kind of ties into something that you were mentioning earlier too. You know, a number of the, the DC military bands that have the ceremonial, the designated ceremonial component to their mission. Uh, a lot of those members will frequently echo the same thing that you just said that the, the, the funeral performances are, you know, the most memorable and and the most important to them as a soldier and as an American. But something that you mentioned earlier that I think is really interesting, that the Old Guard is designated to provide, initially to provide field music for the 3rd Infantry Old Guard, but then also um, to help preserve kind of that field music history also. And it seems like there's not really any military band that has that particular angle on their mission. You know, obviously, you know, promote patriotism promote the american band tradition you know for many of them but but the old guard seems to have a very unique uh you know additional kind of element to it also yeah we we actually we are seeing that um creep up in other bands a little more uh that they're trying to preserve the history of what they do uh 
you know, obviously like I referenced West Point Band, they have their field music group and, and they have a, a day-to-day duty day uh, thing that they do by providing, I mean, they're, they're li- literally providing troop movement still uh, yeah, at, at West Point. And that's a very unique thing for them. And they're, they're living it. Uh, we are, we are providing for the American public um, a look into that, into what it would have looked and sounded like back in the era of the revolution. Um, and you see these other bands though, uh, I, am seeing some guard national guard bands and even some of our premier bands, uh, like the, the army field band, uh, they occasionally will do a fife and drum, uh, portion of their show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're seeing that people are taking this seriously and that they're, they're wanting to preserve that history, uh, and, and showcase that on the stages that they, uh, are afforded to be on. Um, and I think it is a very important thing. It's a very important part of the third infantry regiment to have a musical element. It shows that music has always been part of militaries, uh, and that, you know, music has always been part of society. Uh, it's been mm. part of the human experience. And, um, if we don't preserve it, uh, we'll forget what we did and we don't want that to happen. It is very important to know, you know, where we were and that's why we are where we are today, even musically Mm -hmm. speaking. And, um, and it's just a very neat part of, of our military history to know that music has always been a part of it. Definitely. Yeah. I see an opening. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, uh make make a run for it as i see it uh a big reason why i am super fascinated by the fife and drum corps is is what we're talking about right now and the and the preservation of history and with a lot of my doctoral research focusing on early american brass bands many of which are civil war reenacting brass bands oftentimes the the conversation regarding authenticity comes up in terms of these bands that are their intent is uh for entertainment and for education as civilians you know obviously um you guys are professional musicians you're active duty soldiers so there's a clear distinction in that but in my mind there's uh there's this connection that's being drawn that that i'm super fascinated by so can we maybe pivot a little bit and talk uh briefly about that idea maybe some uh thoughts on authenticity or that angle of achieving the mission within the Fife and Drum Corps? Yes, yeah. Um, so initial thoughts on authenticity. Are we absolutely authentic? And the answer is no. We try to be as authentic as we can. Um, were there Fife and Drum Corps in the revolution? The answer is no. <laughs> uh, there were, uh, come mid-19th century, there were Fife and Drum Corps, uh, especially after the Civil War. Um, but, uh, largely, uh, they were, there were groups of musicians as part of a regiment and they were assigned to a, a, a company or a battalion within that, uh, regiment. And you would, you would be that commander's, um, you know, uh, microphone for the troops, uh, out on the field. Uh, hence, you know, why, why, why we say field musicians, because we were used out on the field. And, um, and so the fact that we, we perform in these larger ensembles for the most part, uh, is not authentic, uh, until we get into a later part of history. Um, you know, is the music authentic? It's as, as authentic as we, uh, can make it, um, are the instruments authentic, um, they're pretty authentic, I will say, um, but they're not absolutely authentic because we want it to, we want it to sound good. You know, we, uh, so we have fifes, we have drums, we have bugles, and we, uh, we do uh, occasionally have a historical group of trumpets and uh, flutes, uh, Baroque trumpets, Baroque flutes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the bugles that we have, um, they're, they're silver-plated, small-wrapped bugle, um, and it sounds, it does sound like an authentic bugle, but we have a singular valve. Um, that wouldn't have been a thing, you know? Uh, and why do we do that? Because um, we want to add flavor. Uh, we do, you know, we have a ceremonial aspect to the Fife and Drum Corps, and we have a show aspect to the Fife and Drum Corps. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, we added that valve in, in the bugles to add more capability to what the buglers could play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we, we occasionally play very authentic bugle marches, say, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that maybe would have been played probably shortly after the revolution as bugling became more and more a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing is, is absolutely authentic. You know, um, we wear red coats. That is authentic. Uh, the, the whole reverse color of, uh, of musicians inside of the, uh, the unit that they served. And that was, mm-hmm. you know, to, so they could sing all the musicians and know where their musicians were because that, they were the ones making the calls. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we try to maintain that authenticity as best we can uh, while towing the line of, hey, we have a ceremonial duty, but we also have to, you know, make some modern adaptations to remain relevant to today and to be entertaining today. So um, with the, the Old Guard and the 3rd Infantry Unit being from the 18th century, um, do you know that they maintain wearing their colonial uniforms through the 19th century to today also? Or was there kind of a moment when when they decided to flip the switch and go back to wearing the colonials at, at some later date? Yeah, that's a very good question. So uh, the answer to that is no. They, they kept up with what the army was doing at the time. Uh, so the Old Guard, uh, they had a, their role in revolution. They had their role, uh, I mean, really, in, in many things all the way through the Civil War. Um, and beyond, and they they uh, they were wearing the uniforms at the time. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, I think it was in the early 20th century uh, that they started looking back, saying, "Oh, hey, we we are the oldest unit, and we do harken back to like the revolution." And there are I I know there are photos of the old guard. Um, the color guard of the old guard wearing colonial uniforms for ceremonies. Then uh, I don't, I, I off the top of my head, I don't know when they started doing that specifically, but yeah. I know there are, um, there are photos from the early 20th century. of them. Yeah. So definitely, definitely prior to the, the formation of the Fife and Drum Corps in 1960 is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Before. Um, the ceremonial aspect of the old guard, uh, they still wear what the army, wears uh the, the official uh army ser- service uniform uh, it's a little bit different in that it's made up of wool and not polyester and it's very crisply uh done but then we also have the commander in chief's guard um that and they're the ones who wear the colonial uh the representation of what an infantry unit would have looked like then with the blue coats with the red trim and then you have the five drone corps who sits next to them on parade field who wear the red coats with the blue trim yeah true so I'm wondering, have they made any like, uh, you want to call it like comfort or quality of life improvements for those, um, you know, colonial uniforms? Like, are they still, you know, made out of wool and the materials that they would have made, you know, back in the 1700s? Or have they kind of modernized them a little bit, maybe on the inside for some comfort? The answer to that is we try to maintain as much authenticity <laughs> as possible <laughs> sure. yeah. and they are still made of wool right. and we still wear, you know, we, we have uh, uh, a vest that we wear and the overcoat that we wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously they just have some wear... air conditioning inside is, is the only <laughs> you know, some, some people have done some interesting things to try to make themselves cool on very hot ceremonies. Um, I won't speak to that, but yeah, they, they, um, they are still made of wool and uh you know we we obviously wear different shoes than they would have worn then uh they but they're they're not specialized marching shoes or anything like that they're mm-hmm. they're just you know army corpram shoes that you would wear and um not the shiny type uh they're they're more dull but uh but yeah that's a great question the, the authenticity of that is is pretty accurate and yeah. the answer to are they hot is they are hot in the summer and they are cold in the winter. So spring and fall, they are perfect and great to go. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so we, we do wear the wigs, uh, the, the white wigs, and uh, we do get a lot of questions about that. And uh, we wear the wigs like that because they would have worn, they people would have tried to wear wigs like that on official events. Uh, 
to look more uniform, to be more formal. And, uh, and so we try to do that for us today to wear those white wigs. And plus they won't let us grow out our hair. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so that's largely for the, the showmanship aspect of, of the mission of the Fife and Drum Corps, right? Both, both that, that, that straddles both the show uh, part of the Fife and Drum Corps and the ceremonial part. So, you know, we want to look the part, um, but we want to also, it's, it's sort of like putting on your tuxedo, you know, we're going to put on our white wigs, uh, so that we know that we're, we're, we're doing a, a big ceremony here every, and like I said, every ceremony that we do is, is a big deal. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're looking our best for yeah. the army, uh, for yeah. the ceremonies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, do you. You know, I mean, it's with the the utmost respect within the core. Do do members of the the fife and drum corps see the uniform, the colonial uniform, as obviously it's it's a official issued uniform? Does anybody ever kind of think of it as more of a costume in a way? We get that question all the time, and mm-hmm. um, no, everybody they they do see it as a uniform. Um, it it doesn't. You know, I'm trying to think if I've ever and I'm trying to be very accurate and true in what I'm saying. Have I ever felt like it was, yeah, you know, are there times that I feel like it feels like a, a costume? Probably at times, but no, I mean, really by and large, it's because of what we're doing when we're wearing that, it does not really feel like a costume. It's we're, we're, we're sitting out there in front of, you know, presidents and statesmen and women and, mm-hmm. you know, we are, we are that face of the army uh and for our nation and, and to the world and so we are wearing and like you said it is an official issue we go down to the central issue facility to go get our our fitting for our colonials um or continentals it depends on you know and um and it is that official uniform so some people yeah i i'm sure at times it does feel like that but um by and large it it feels like an official uniform because it is cool Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so one maybe last thing about the authenticity is you, you were saying that the manuscripts from the time aren't very plentiful. So I'm assuming that the music you guys play uh, during a ceremony is, you know, as authentic as you can, you know, reasonably tell from what is surviving. But as far as that stuff goes, is that like arranged by a staff ranger uh, for you guys? And then also kind of we can get to the 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 show aspect of the um old guard uh, but do you guys like for that do you because that's obviously a little newer music but does it compose do you, do you aim to compose it like in the style like as close to the style of the 1700s as you can kind of get with what you're trying to do or just kind of how does that work with with the music you guys play Right. So it, it depends on the music um, that is being played and what's being played for. Uh, when we perform, even on ceremonies as a full core, uh, that uh, that music, let me let me back myself up. Yes, we have staff arrangers um, that unlike the rest of the premier bands in D.C., nobody is hired directly as an arranger. Mm-hmm. Um, so we these come from the ranks of musicians. Um, that is that is another way that the Fife Drum Corps is actually very unique in that um, we, ha- we don't have a staff. Um, so all of our operations, our, our staff arranging, our public affairs, all of those jobs come from the musicians. Uh, and so it makes it unique, you know, in that, um, you know, hey, if you write it, you're gonna play it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for the musicians. And, uh, and if somebody doesn't like it, <laughs> you're going to hear about it because you're going to be in the middle of it. Um, But they, they are, our um, production staff. um, That's what they're called. Um, They, they take great care to try to remain authentic while also towing that line of being you know, remaining interesting really for the listener. Um, And also knowing that like, Hey, we're, we're arranging uh, this piece for fifes bugles and drums so it may be something that is like a a fife tune and they want to incorporate some bugle sounds or colors into it and so that's where it loses you know technically the authenticity of it Mm -hmm. um but we're trying to make it interesting uh for our our audience or or vice versa where it's a bugle uh specific thing and they insert some fife into it um what i will say though is on ceremonies um we still play 
bugle calls as bugle calls are they're you know a bugle call is a bugle call and uh, they play them by themselves um and uh, i tell you there's there's nothing uh more interesting than playing uh either you know the nco call or first sergeant's call um with eight buglers all at once <laughs> uh, and it's 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 pretty powerful and and it's great when um when we when we do great on it and and which is often and all of our commands are silent we don't have a, you know nobody's turning around and actually conducting us mm-hmm. that would be very easy we have a drum major who just you know something like that you know they're just giving two pumps and coming down and um you know we all have to come in together so you know on i think of that i think of that i think of that with eight people <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> tricky um <laughs> But, uh, and, and same, I'm sorry, on the fife side of things, our, our fifes are used, and our drummers, uh, are used still for troop movement in the sense of, you know, the colors and stuff like that. So when they do that, they use very authentic uh, fife tunes for that mm-hmm. as well, and, and drum cadences and whatnot. And so we, you know, again, we try to remain authentic, um, and the arrangers, um, they do a good job of being very diligent. Um and so it goes the same with shows. You kind of have to toe that line of, you know, how do we keep it interesting for our audiences while also preserving, right? That is our job is to preserve. Mm-hmm. And so you, you kind of have to, to do both um, yeah. of, you know, hey, we're going to bend a little bit here, but we're going to keep it pretty true here. Um, you know, our uh, each group usually in, in our shows has a feature, you know, a, a fight feature, a bugle feature, and a drum feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously with the bugles, we talked about that, they have their one valve. And so that, that makes it not authentic, but it keeps it interesting. Um, mm-hmm. The fights, um, they'll get pretty, pretty noty, but you know, um, th- this was also the job of a military musician was to sometimes provide entertainment. And, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously with our drummers, um, we love our drummers. They do such a fantastic job and they're very interesting and very good at what they do. Um, but a lot of what they do sometimes looks like, you know, 1960s drum corps drumming mm-hmm. and, and they've got the head movements and all that. And it's, it's great. And I'm not saying that they should not do that. Um, but that is where it loses some of its authenticity as far as being, you know, is this revolutionary war era music? Um, not all the time, but mm-hmm. we try to maintain, uh, the spirit of it, though. Right. And does the group ever play like Sousa marches or anything like that? No, no, not usually. Yeah. Sometimes I will say we have educational shows that, um, you know, sometimes we'll we'll break out a, a trumpet, like a regular B-flat trumpet and a piccolo, and we'll do some demonstrations on that. And we'll play, you know, uh, some band stuff, literature with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a fife and drum corps, no, no, we don't go into gotcha. to that realm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotcha. for sure. Nice, nice. What what a uh, key are your guys' horns in that you're playing in with the fife and drum corps? So the yeah the the bugles are in B flat. So it feels like playing okay, nice. a one valve B flat. You know, almost like cornet because it's you know you got the shortness of a, of the bugle and everything. Mm-hmm. Now the trumpets, um, the the baroque trumpets, they're they're keyed in um, baroque pitch, and so we play in four fifteen, and we try to maintain uh, the authenticity with that. Um, the, the timpani actually we started out playing with skinheads and that just we couldn't do it because of you know the temperature changes and traveling all that stuff it just wouldn't work uh so we had to to go to uh you know the, the what we use today uh with that but um the the broke flutes um I mean, those instruments are pretty authentic except you know with the trumpets they are uh vented obviously. Um, though we, we would use a natural trumpet on occasion for those trumpet calls, uh, when we would do that. Um, so, uh, that is a fairly authentic group. And, and as far as the music goes, we would sometimes have some arrangements for trumpet, flute, and timpani, uh, that, you know, in the same sense of the fife and drum corps at large with the fife drum and bugle, uh, we kind of, you know, Oh, okay, well, this is a piece uh, that had a lot of trumpet in it, and we're going to have the flutes play what the strings were playing then, type of mm-hmm. thing. So that you know, we, we just try to fill the the gaps where we don't have any mm-hmm. instrumentation. Right. Does the the valve for you guys is that a half step valve or is that a, a whole step? 
Uh, it's a whole yeah. It, it's just that first valve on a B flat trumpet. So you know you're you're that whole series. Uh, and so it is nice in the sense that um, you know when you're auditioning, it it it's a little wonky for the intonation. Mm -hmm. uh, the core at large, we play at 442 uh, for the fifes to match the mm -hmm. fifes. Uh, so for you know somebody who's coming in playing 440 all the way through college, playing just a little bit sharper, uh, kind of messes with you a little bit in the audition. Um, but it's nice because it's still in B flat. Now I'm wondering, I kind of have a, a personal question, but has kind of the historical nature of, you know, the job, um, has that like sparked any historical music, like interest outside of, of like the core for you? Like, do you do like Baroque trumpet stuff outside of work, I guess, or <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's has it led to anything? Um, yeah, uh, on occasion. Uh, uh, so there are four uh, Baroque trumpeters in the core um, who we, we used to have a, a group that did it uh, as their primary duty. And I was part of that. Mm. Um, it's no longer a primary duty. I, it's, it, it is sometimes used, uh, not as much as it used to be, but uh, we have all um, done things on the outside and played with professional groups. Um, Staff Sergeant uh, Monroe, uh, she's uh, somebody who, who plays a lot in the D.C. area, and she's traveled a bit with some broke groups. Uh, Staff Sergeant Bill Skiba, he's, he's done a lot as well. Um, and then I've, I've been able to play with some some groups on the outside as well. So, yeah, it has. It, it's something that I've been very thankful to have. Uh, I remember at CIM, there was a Baroque trumpet in the corner of the trumpet studio. And um, CIM is part of Case Western. And they have a great early music program there. Hmm. And I remember thinking then like, ah, you know, I, we even had a, um, uh, we had a, uh, a master class for uh, Baroque trumpet my freshman year of college. It was a Saturday morning. And <laughs> I just thought, it, oh, this is, uh, why am I doing this? And, you know, I don't want, I'm never going to do this. And uh, lo and behold, I ended up playing Baroque trumpet uh, for the army. And uh, yeah, actually, that yeah. same person who uh, was giving that master class ended up, we ended up taking some lessons with him when the Baroque trumpet group uh, became a primary duty. Um, nice. So I got to share that with with that individual, and it was very, <laughs> a very comical moment. Hey, I fell asleep in your your master class as a freshman in college. But <laughs> I'm really going to pay attention now because I really want to do this. And so it has become uh, a, a really a, a love of mine, uh, the Baroque style and Baroque music in general. Um, yeah. And obviously, playing the bugle as well has been a fantastic thing to do. Uh, additionally to that. So when when the baroque on uh, baroque trumpet ensemble when that was a primary duty ensemble I guess it would be that and like the army brass quintet would be like the two chamber music, uh, full time chamber music opportunities for trumpet players in D.C. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was a very unique experience in that like wow we're doing you know we're this baroque trumpet group and we had the timpanist as well and obviously our flutes were part of that and um you know we really saw ourselves as uh you know the our european friends had court musicians of course we don't have courts here mm -hmm. we, we don't have kings and queens in america right. uh but we saw ourselves as as you know a heralding trumpet entity uh and we did do that on occasion we would play uh, for some some state dinners and stuff like that, uh, where we would play uh, fanfares for our VIP guests and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just neat to say, like, think, wow, we're doing what our trumpeter friends were doing 300 years ago. And mm -hmm. uh, here the Army's doing it today. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it, it was that, very neat. That's kind of the, the same sentiment a lot of uh, early American brass band musicians would have, you know, like if if they're into the the actual reenacting thing or if they play historical gigs at locations you know if they're playing their horn out on a battlefield or in front of an old building you know where there used to be a band there's kind of that moment of like mm, they they might have heard this like same exact thing here you know 150 years ago kind of thing yeah so. that and that's such a neat experience isn't it to to yeah. be out there and wow yeah it's very yeah. cool yeah Great. Well, Kevin, this has been a fantastic conversation. Um, where, where's a good place to point people to if they're curious about, um, you know, finding out more about the uh, Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps and, and all the stuff that you guys do? So you can go to our website. It's fifeanddrum.army.mil. And uh, we're all over social media. Uh, if, you, if you just look up, you know, Army Fife and Drum on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you will find our page. 
Great. We'll have all that stuff linked up on our website in the show notes. Um, you know, that way, if uh, if you don't find it by searching, you can go on our website and click the link there <laughs> for anyone listening. So it'll it'll all be up on our website, too. Cool, cool. Right. Well, thank you so much, sir, for coming on to the Early American Brass Band podcast. We really appreciate your your time and your expertise and your, your knowledge of all things bugle, colonial, brass, you know, everything we talked about. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. Really appreciate it. Thank you again so much to Sergeant First Class Kevin Lynch for coming on to the show. Like we said, it was really awesome getting to hear the the field music side of things and getting to hear from a soldier musician who's making a living off of this type of music uh, today. So it's a very unique position, very unique job, and we're super excited that we got to talk to him about it today. So thank you. Yes, we definitely can't thank him enough for taking the time out of his uh, Saturday when we're recording this um, to come and talk to us for for uh, an hour and a half, two hours. So we're very grateful for his insight and um, and experience. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, and we also have a Teespring store that I forgot to mention at the top of the episode. Um, so you can you can head on over there and pick up some stuff. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Uh, subscribing helps grow the channel obviously uh and you can give us a like follow you know whatever platform specific term you want to use on social media (laughs) we're on all of them so uh there we go i quickly ran through it because i spent a lot of time at the top so you can uh go ahead and follow us there uh you know so you don't miss anything that we that we put out our featured album for this episode is actually the United States Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps. They have a few albums on their website um, that you can actually download which is uh, great. You don't have to, to purchase them. They're there for download. Uh, the one we picked uh, for this episode is their uh, 50th anniversary album uh, recorded in 2010 um, and it has uh, some music from past, uh, recent and past shows uh, including their Spirit of America show and the reason we picked it is because it includes selections from the historical trumpets and historical flutes uh, the two smaller uh, subsets that Kevin mentioned in the episode so there's some uh, listening examples if you will on that uh, that album so we'll have that linked in the show notes you can like I said you can go ahead and just download it right from their website which is great get some uh, some free music so <laughs> we hope that you'll check good. that out always good yeah <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into the Early American Brass Band podcast, and we'll see you next time.